Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, Today is Monday, May 7th, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 59, the second paragraph, which begins with, Here are the steps we took. We will be reading eight lines, which includes stating steps one, two, and three, ending with, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Picking up where we left off on Friday, we will focus our comments on steps two and three only. Today's readers are... Hmm, wait a minute. I might be a little confused here. Katie T. Yeah, Katie T, Kathy C, Allison L, Martha Z, and Craig F. The reference number for Sunday, May 6, 2018's special edition meeting is 11384. That's 11384. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie T. to read the 12 steps of OA. Can you hear me? I hear you now, Katie T. Thank you. Um, I'm Katie T., a compulsive eater from South Carolina, and very honored this morning to be reading the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Katie T. I will now ask Kathy C. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy C. from um, Canada. I am a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of overeaters anonymous. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to so to directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Kathy C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 59, the second paragraph which begins with, Here are the steps we took. 
we will be reading eight lines ending with made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. We will be focusing our comments on steps two and three only. I will now ask Allison L. to please get us started. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Okay, starting my timer, comments on steps two and three. So I've come to believe I'm powerless in one, and if I'm powerless, then that leads me to step two, which says that I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. So do I, at step two, all I need is just enough belief that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. I don't have to understand that power. I don't have to have, um, you know, uh, I don't have to even have a relationship at this point. I just have to believe that there's something bigger than me that can restore me to sanity. And how I got there was from listening to this meeting. I mean, I dare you to listen to this meeting every day and not have some kind of belief that there's something bigger than yourself because all these people are talking about how they've done what I've done. Um, They've been insane like I've been insane. They've been hopeless and powerless like I was, and yet they're restored to sanity. And so that gives me belief that there's something bigger that can can do it for them. And and I'm not so special that it, it wouldn't do it for me too. So that gives me enough belief that there's something bigger than me that can restore me to sanity. That's all I have to know at step two, that I'm I'm willing to keep going. I believe enough that I'm willing to keep going on to step three. And then step three made a decision to turn my will and life over to the care of God as I understood him. Um, I just have to have to um, be willing enough to continue on with steps four through 12. So am I, do I conceive in my mind in my heart that a power greater than me can restore me to sanity? And then am I willing to turn my life, which I've heard described as my actions and my will, which I've heard described as my thinking, over to the care and direction of this power by completing steps four through 12? I, I don't have to know what that means for my entire life. I just have to know that can I get my thinking to be about what this power would have me do um, in steps four through 12 and, and hopefully in my daily life eventually and um, my actions. And I, I don't have to get it perfect. I don't have to know what that means. It's not about figuring out um, exactly what God would have me do, but just am I trying? Am I thinking and asking, God, what would you have me do? Um, and then acting on that to the best of my ability and, and willing to follow directions from someone who's um, had this spiritual awakening, who has recovered and, and following those directions specifically in steps four through 12, um, I just needed enough willingness and hope to do that. And that hope um, came from listening to this line every day. If I could hear it in all of you, then I had hope and, and willingness because I believed it could happen for me as well. So I'm grateful to all of you out there. And with that, I pass. Okay, I'm I'm back. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, Allison L. Sorry for being a little delayed here. 
Um, who would like to share on steps two and three this morning? Julie, Lisa B. Ginger, Lisa B. Wait a minute. I heard Lisa B. And I think I heard someone named Julie, maybe. Was there a Julie? Julie N. Okay. For some reason, I'm not catching anything other than Lisa B. Harlan G. I heard Harlan. And I heard Kim B. Lauren N. Ginger C. And Vasa O. I'm going to stop there. Ginger C and Vasa O. So let me tell you who I wrote down. And I know I missed many of you. Sorry. Lisa B. Harlan G. Kim G. Larry K. Ginger C. And Vasa O. Lisa B., please go right ahead. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for your your kind service this morning and everyone that's here. I feel led to share on step two and what it means to me. Um, I went to the step two in the AA 12 and 12 and I read something so powerful that I know has been there all along, but I swear it was just put in there recently. (laughs) I never noticed it uh, to the clarity that I did today. So it says on page 32 in the AA 12 and 12 and step two, we had not even prayed rightly. We had always said, grant me my wishes instead of thy will be done. The love of God and man we understood not at all. Therefore, we remained self-deceived and so incapable of receiving enough grace to restore us to sanity. So I need to do these steps to get unblocked. That's what I get from that. Then it talks more about my insanity when it says, few indeed are the practicing alcoholics who have any idea how irrational they are or seeing their irrationality can bear to face it. Some will be willing to term themselves problem drinkers but cannot endure the suggestion that they are, in fact, mentally ill. So this book, this wonderful book, big book, tells me that I can have permanent recovery. It tells me that in the forward to the second edition, but I must do what this book is telling me to do to have that permanent recovery. I can read books, including this book. I can go to great meetings. I can even have a great sponsor. But that will not create the effect, the effect that is created from doing all of the 12 steps all the while being entirely abstinent. Step 10 tells me that I am restored to sanity, that I will react sanely and normally. It also tells me in the big book that it says, to some extent we have become, we have become God conscious. It says, if we have carefully followed directions, and it really is about doing the entire directions that are listed in this book, not altering it in any way. And um, that's just what I felt led to share. But it is hard to admit that I am mentally ill with this illness and that that is always there. But I'm recovered today, but that is still always there. It will always be there. With that, I pass. Lisa B., I believe you finished, and thank you so much. My phone did a funny electronic noise, so hopefully you did, all didn't lose me. Harlan G., do you hear me? I do, Rebecca. Thank you so okay. much, and okay, thank great. you for your Thanks. service this morning. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, and when we look at that, 
I have to remember for myself that every time I come in here, I come in on the shoulders of giants. We get step one from Dr. William Duncan Silkworth in New York City, who was a neurologist, who ended up working at the Towns Hospital in New York, which was at that time the preeminent hospital for the treatment of alcoholism and drug addiction in the world. And Dr. Silkworth, through observation, determined what the problem was. And he told the problem to Bill Wilson. But Dr. Silkworth had no solution for that problem. Step two comes from Dr. Carl Jung in Switzerland. Dr. Jung told Roland Hazard that he was going to die, that he was an alcoholic and that there was no hope for him. Now, Roland had tried to get to Sigmund Freud. He had tried to get to Dr. Adler. Now, Adler and Freud, who he could not get to as a patient, believed that all solution lie within the mind. But Jung broke rank with them. Now, is it odd or is it God that he got to Jung? Because Jung told Roland that here and there, there were people who had spiritual experiences, not spiritual awakenings, but spiritual experiences, which means sudden, profound, right now. And that that could alter their behaviors, ideas, and attitudes so that they could be different. He goes to New York in search of a spiritual experience, comes upon Is it me or is it Harlan? Here, and they tell it to Ebby Thatcher, and Ebby Thatcher tells it to Bill Wilson. And Ebby Thatcher brings this message to Bill Wilson, who knew the problem. Now Bill knows that there is a solution to the problem. See, Ebby and the Oxford groupers knew the solution. They didn't know the problem. So the solution and the problem come together in Bill through Ebby, and he came to believe that a power greater than himself could restore him to sanity. What is the ultimate purpose of the spiritual awakening? To I know it's to make us right with God ourselves and our fellow human being and all that stuff. I know that. But it's to lower the level of emotions so that the urge to eat is simply not there. Step three is just surrender. If I'm spending more than 35 seconds on step three, I'm doing it wrong. All step three is a drawing of a conclusion based on steps one and two to do four through 12. That's all three is. Three is just very quick. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan D. Kim D., you're next. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim J. I'm recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever guys like been in high school and you were assigned War and Peace to read, and you just don't feel like reading War and Peace? So you you go to the local bookstore and you buy the Cliff Notes, right? You buy this summary and you're able to write this book report, and then you get all ticked off because you have a C. Because you never read the book, you never had the experience of the book. You just were doing enough to try to pass the test get away with it. Well, to me, that's what page 59 is. Page 59 is the cliff notes of the steps. The actual steps are in the book. And that explained to me why I had such a difficult time. Because it says, here are the steps we took. 
So what I did is what I, I did in many years in Overeaters Anonymous is I talked about the steps. I read the meetings at the steps, meetings. I discussed the steps. I analyzed the steps. And I would look at these, these uh, steps that are on the wall, which is what's printed on page 59, and I'd wonder why I'm not having an experience with the steps. Because, see, step two is not about a belief in God, and I worked on that for a long time. Step two is simply the acknowledgement that I need a power. I love the line on page, um, on a, I forget what page it's on, but it says, what at first was a flimsy reed provides, becomes the powerful hand of God. So step two is simply the acknowledgement that I need a power. I don't get access to that power until step 11. You know, for years I thought step seven, I made a decision to turn my life and my will over to care of God. I would do that. But what I realized now is what I was basically doing was I was using God like Santa Claus. I'd give him a list of things I wanted him to do. And when he didn't do it, I would quote unquote take my will back. When really step three is I'm being confined on pages 60 to 63 is what is life like when Kim's in charge? What is life like when Kim's in control? And because I'm seeing that it's a total crap show in my, in my experience, that propels me to make a decision to learn a new way of life. It propels me to make a decision to do steps four through nine and implement that skill set in 10 and 11 so I don't actually turn my will over until I get into 10 and 11. So that's what's so beautiful about steps two and three. We don't quote unquote work them. They're conclusions and decisions to do the rest of the steps. But for many years, when I tried to do the cliff notes, when I tried to just read this page and think I was doing the steps, what my personal experience was, I would do steps one, two, three, and then relapse. Steps one, two, three, and then relapse, because these are not workable steps. They are conclusions of the mind, which when done fully, propels me to do the actual action steps of four through 12, so I can have a spiritual awakening. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Larry K. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for your service. The, um, you know, we get on this line, we study this big book, and um, um, really what I, what, I, what I really want, too, is some tips <laughs> as, we, as we study this intense study. And we've heard some already. Um, these are real helpful. You don't work step one. You don't work step two. These are information gathering steps only. In other words, we're asked to come to a conclusion of the mind about our problem in step one and the solution to the problem in step two. Step three is merely how do we bring that solution to light? Well, that's the rest of the work. You know, do I have the allergy of the body? Check. Do I have the obsession of the mind? Check. Okay, on to step two. Have we complicated the heck out of this thing? Yes, I, I think we have. We learned that it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required to make my beginning. So the second step question really is, is it possible? Is it possible? Is there a chance that there's some power greater than you, some energy, some creative intelligence, supernatural or not? some force in the universe that's more powerful than you, your thoughts, more powerful than your problems. Is that possible? And if you can say, if anyone can say, yeah, yeah, anything's possible, that's your second step. 
In fact, that's all there is to the second step. Again, that doesn't have to be all there is to the second step for you. You know, you're free to make this more complicated if you want to, but you certainly don't have to. In fact, I would suggest to you that the idea to complete the, the second step, that you need to know who or what your higher power is, crazy. That's just crazy. I mean, if you do know who your higher power is, fine, great. It might be might make your pathway a little easier. But that's not a lot of people's experience when they arrive to the rooms of OA. It certainly wasn't mine. So really what I had to do is just be open to this. And then step three, like Harlan said, boy, that should be quick. Should be really quick because all we're saying is, okay, check. Step one, I got the problem. I'm open to a solution. Don't know what's going to happen. Now, how do we bring that solution to light? That's step three. And then we move on. Next, next, next. Action, action, action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. Ginger C., it's your turn. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? I hear you, Ginger C. Oh, great. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service. Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And um, I just love that we're taking this really slow and focusing on these steps because this is where it all happens for us. So if you're suffering and you're in the food, you know, no matter how deep the pain and how low the bottom, it only takes 12 steps to get out. You know, this practical program of action. And I love, love, love vision and how they follow it precisely exactly because that's why you're hearing so much beautiful recovery and that's why this meeting is so powerful. It's so simple again. Somebody just mentioned that. You know, I'm the one that complicates this because I want to manage control, figure it out. You know, hopefully if you're on the line and you're in pain, hopefully the food has convinced you where you're just surrendering. You're completely done. You're out of ideas and you're willing to go to any lengths for victory over this because this program is just about action, this practical program of action, not what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. And then this miracle happens, these clear-cut directions, you follow them precisely, you get what the first 100 got. You have a spiritual awakening. That's a personality change that is sufficient to bring about recovery from your food addiction. You will no longer see food as a solution to life. That's amazing. That's miraculous. And you don't do it. You're just in enough pain from every beautiful bite that you've had to take that you're willing to do something new. You're tired, you're hurting, and you want a new experience. And that's what this book is all about. And we are so blessed, all of us on the line today, that we found this. So many only wish they had an answer. And we have it today. So those of you recovered, work it like your life depends on it and work it harder because your light is bright through God's love and this higher power that's entered you and others need to see it. And this step two is just, I came, I showed up, I got here, thank you God. Then I came too, I came out of the food fog. I got some clarity. And then three is I start to come to believe in this power that I need because it's only this power that is my defense from picking up that bite that is constantly doing push-ups in a parking lot wanting me back. And don't we all start to feel that power when we are neutral? Food is no longer calling my name. My life was 
always consumed about food thoughts. Either I was eating, and if I wasn't eating, I was thinking about the food. What was I going to eat, and where was I going to get it? So again, so simple. One, we're out of ideas. Two, I'm willing to try something new. And three, I get into action. I made a decision that implements some kind of action. I'm going to go through four through nine, and I'm hopefully going to have this spiritual awakening that my life is counting and depending on. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Ginger C. Asa, oh, before you speak up, I just want to bring everybody up to snuff here in case you got on late. This is Rebecca F. moderating the 7 a.m. meeting. And we are sharing on steps two and three as we read on page 59 from here are the steps through the end of the statement of step three. So go ahead, Vasa O, and then we'll open the line for more people to share. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And Vasa, grateful, grateful Recover Compulsive Vida, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I just, you know, I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired dealing with the food addiction for so long, so many years. And I was just ready and willing to listen and to do whatever, you know, I heard at the program. And I need, my sponsor said, just put everything aside, what you were doing, Vasa, because it wasn't working. So, you know. Stop doing that and adapt this new way of doing. It gave me so much hope, you know, because, again, for me, this was the last hope coming to Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, as I shared before, I gave in to the food. I surrendered to the food um, before I found the program because it just wasn't working what I was doing. And I was open-minded, and I remember hearing very carefully how the program worked. And it's a, really have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed the path. And that gave me hope. I said, very, very, most people, if they really follow the directions, the way it's laid out in the big book, they do recover if they do the work. And I, I was just so, so ready and so willing um, because I had done step four, step one already many times. I was in relapse, you know, off and on here running and going on diets again. And then uh, I was willing and ready to believe in a power greater than myself um, because, what, as I said, what I was doing was not working. And I didn't know what this higher power was going to be, what he's going to do for me. But I was ready and willing to surrender. I can't, he can, and I will in the next page, you know. And I was so, like, I was 150% to surrender with the food. And then, but thinking about the rest of the steps, it really scared me, like step four and five. And uh, it didn't matter. My sponsor said, God is going to take you. Your higher power is going to take you one step at a time. As you go through the steps, then you don't have to worry about that part. I didn't know anything about the allergy. I put the food the, and those foods down, and I surrendered. I put the food in God's hands. I was abstinent, and I never took it back. And I said, no matter what goes through my life, I'm just going to have to deal pain, suffering, grieving the loss of my friend's food, 
and I was not going to go back to it. And I'm just so grateful, grateful for this. Uh, it's my time up. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Well, who else would like to share on steps two and three? Nancy H. Nancy Jeanette H. S. Someone S. Was it Jeanette S? Jeanette S. Yes. And did I hear Debbie you? R. Your ten, ten Debbie R. Debbie R. Yes, she did. I heard Tenson P. Okay. Yeah. After that, the rest Melissa is a blur. C. Sorry. Melissa C. Melissa C. Thanks. Gotcha, Melissa. Debbie R. Debbie R. This is Raquel, but I don't know if you have time for me. Hi, Raquel. We'll see if we can fit you in. Thank you. Janice PM, good morning. Good morning. Janice PM, I think uh, that maybe I will have time for. So I'll tell you who I have, and I know I missed many of you. Nancy J, Jeanette S, Tenson P, Melissa C, Debbie R, Raquel E, and Janice PM. Nancy J, go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts. H. <laughs> and I'm grateful to um, be able to share on this, these two steps. Um, I've, since I've recovered, I've realized in looking back that it, when I went on step two, I kind of, I thought I was all set. Well, I thought I was all set with the first part, came to believe because I already believed, but I wasn't okay with the second part, which said I was going to be restored to sanity because I figured if I could just stay on a diet, and lose weight, I would be sane and my life would be wonderful. And so when I had a, uh, went through the steps with the vision sponsor, um, we talked about my prejudices against my religion. And I found that I had a few things that were blocking me, even though I was practicing my religion and I felt content and I felt close to God, I needed to have a power greater than myself without the, the certain things that bothered me. And so once I did that, I was kind of like, okay, this is going to work for me. And then I got to step three and made a decision. I figured that I knew what that meant, made a decision to turn my will over to to God. And um, I, I proceeded to say, oh, I definitely want to do that. I get on my knees every morning and say, I'm offering myself to thee. You know, I'd say the third step prayer. And then I'd go on with my life for the rest of the day. And finally, I realized after this last relapse I had about six months ago that I needed to be sane and I needed to be um, in contact with that higher power, turning things over all day long, not just in the morning. So I've now come to the uh, habit of um, checking in with my higher power every so often to see if if I'm okay spiritually. And that communication I have in the morning, first thing, well, I shouldn't say first thing because I haven't done mine this morning yet, but in honesty, I usually try to make that this, right after my shower. And I know someone else says, you don't read your email, you don't this, you don't that. First, you know, upon awakening. And I think of that every morning, but I still take my will and go into the shower so I can be awake when I'm communicating with my higher power. So for me, um, this is a decision. Once I, I decided to turn my will over, a decision to do steps four through 12. And and that was uh, an awakening to me because I didn't realize that that's exactly what it meant. I thought turning my will over, which it does, meant um, having my higher power, you know, trying to do my higher power's will all day long. 
But it also meant that I'm not going to get too far if I just stay in step three and don't do the rest of the work. So for that, I'm very grateful that I've learned that much. And, you know, I have to be reminded every day. It's not like it's going to happen overnight. And uh, it is happening now. And I think about turning my will over to my higher power every time I run into trouble. And even when I'm not running into trouble, I thank him every so often for an hour of abstinence, an hour of recovery, whatever it might be. So I stay in an attitude of gratitude, and I keep turning things over, and my life is running second to none. Mm. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. Jeanette S. Hi, this is Jeanette S. Can you hear me? I hear you, Jeanette S. Good morning. Great. Came to believe that power greater than ourselves to restore to sanity. Um, I was a cynic and a skeptic, and I don't know that I ever actually really believed. Um, but I did hang on to, on page 46 and 7, kind of across the street from each other, it says, even a willingness to believe, and even willing to believe, the same words. And that's what got me to step three. Um, my, the pa- power greater than myself was my desperation. I was desperate. I was ready to take myself out. I don't believe in this higher power stuff. I didn't believe in any of that and very skeptical. But I was willing. I was just willing. I didn't believe. So I maybe I still never have taken step two. Um, but my what I was believing in was the power of these this these steps. I saw recovery in other people. I saw the changes that they had gone through and or talked about gone through. I hadn't seen it myself, but um and that's what I believed in. I believed in this process, this um program of action. Um because uh, I know all the books that I read, the hundreds of books, self help books that I read prior to this did not take care of the four hundred pounds between my ears. And so this is what I what I believed in. Um, this, that's the power greater than myself was the power of doing the work that it took. And my decision, like others had said, my decision was to do the following steps. That's all my decision was. I didn't. Have, I don't know about this God stuff and all that. I have no idea about that. But I do know that doing these uh, these steps is what changed the neural pathways in my brain and gave me a psychic change. I don't know about God. I don't know anything about that. I don't think I can know anything about that. I'm one of those kind of agnostics. Um, but I do know that this, this process works. As skeptical and cynical as I was, I am no longer skeptical, you know, those words about this book and the process of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jeanette S. Tenson P. Good morning, everyone. Oh, so beautiful to hear the shares this morning and for where we are uh, reading the second and the third steps. And uh, I I like the structure of the steps, even the way it's printed in the big book, you know, that it's set in very nicely. There's a structure here. 
that we're being um, uh, introduced to, exposed to. Um, and I'm also reminded that we just finished reading We Agnostics, where it was slowly going through step two from all aspects. And here we go. Now hang on to our hats. Here we are in um, how it works. Um, we're picking up speed. We're getting into action. Even the decision is, is a form of action. So um, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I like that little phrase that I hear sometimes, came, came to, came to believe. Yeah. And um, I'm reminded on this line that, you know, the, I mean, the big book that the, 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 that the awakening can be of an educational variety or a sudden awakening. Either works, that it, whichever we have, and that it can happen very slowly. Um, I would say that steps two and three, when I was contemplating a little bit this morning before the call, I'm aware still of a bit of nervousness about giving up control. Oh, hum. Will I have issues of control that I uh, keep working on, turning over, asking for help with, um, learning more skillful ways uh, for the rest of my life as a human being? Probably so. But but these two steps, uh, two and three, are really, you know, a, a place where I'm willing to open my open my clenched fist and be open to something different because of how much suffering I have experienced when I didn't do that. So it's it's um, greater power, greater than ourselves. Um, it's freedom from the prison that I've been in, in all the ways that I can still isolate myself. Mm. Um, let's see, so much here. So I just, let's see, I think I want to close with, uh, I think my first sponsor a long time ago gave me a little list that I still have of names of God um, turning our God as we understand him. So these were some names that are in the big book, I believe these are all there. Supreme Being, Creative Intelligence, Spirit of the Universe, Realm of Spirit, Power, All-Powerful, Guiding Presence, God of Reason, Great Reality, Presence, Infinite Power and Love, Creator, Director, Principal, Father, employer, maker. I'm going to stop there. Love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tenzin P. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so like step one, um, you take when you're out there all alone struggling. You know, like that is um, I, I, taken really outside, you know. And step two was, like, why did I come? You know, I came because I, there was a glimmer of hope in me. Otherwise, why would I dial in? You know, why would I even show up at a meeting um, unless I believed that there was something greater than me? You know, I knew I was failing. That part 
was clear. I had the evidence of um, my life. I had the evidence of my weight, of um, the pain of the last binge. So I knew that that I was failing. And I came because um, there was a peace inside of me that despite all the failures, I still had a glimmer of hope. I was still willing to try something. And that was enough. That's the power greater than me. So I got that from all the feedback. I heard um, and that gave me tremendous hope. Um, and and I think it's, um, you know, I'm grateful that I heard that word. I'm really grateful that I heard that word because it, it helped um, solidify step two for me. And then step three, um, I do it constantly. I am no longer in management. I've decided that um, I'm a failure, you know, of myself without seeking, chasing this power, um, I, I make a mess. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, step one, I'm drowning. Step two, I believe that someone, something's going to rescue me. And step three is I take the freaking life jacket that's thrown at me. And, um, and that's this, you know. And so every morning when I say the third step prayer, and I ask, you know, God um, to help me get aligned with his will for me, I have to think about what that looks like. And so when obstacles come up throughout my day, um, I was always in the habit of trying to remove the obstacle or climb over the obstacle or kick the obstacle out of my way. And when I think about step three, it's um, if the obstacle is really there, perhaps my direction is I need to go a different route. And, um, you know, that's my that's one of my meditations for the morning. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Debbie R. Hi, my name is Debbie R. I'm a compulsive overeater from Chicago, and this is my first time on this meeting. Uh, step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Uh, the irony is that I celebrated 26 years sober Friday, but I came into Overeaters Anonymous 30 and a half years ago. And last night when I picked up again, it would appear that when it comes to the food, that my sugar items are the higher power that I believed would uh, eliminate the depression and the loneliness. And, of course, it resulted in... uh, more depression and more loneliness. Uh, But maybe for that few minutes, I didn't know or care. Um, I don't want to talk long this morning. This meeting has been very helpful to me. Uh, I asked someone to sponsor me, and we have a history, and I knew she'd say no, uh, which she didn't directly, and she gave me this number instead. But the part that feels like wanting to believe that I can be restored to sanity by this power is taking whatever she did give me, you know, 
you know, being humble enough to say, God, I need help. And I don't care who it comes from. I don't care if it comes from somebody who likes me or not. I just, I need your help. I I need your sanity Uh, because I'm killing myself with this food. And I'm grateful for all of you who are on this call this morning. Uh, And I'm grateful that the higher power outside my head is not as cruel uh, as the one inside. And I was really glad to hear Harlan. I'm from Chicago. I knew Harlan decades and decades ago. Uh, Thank you all for your service. I pass. Thank you, Debbie R., and welcome. Raquel E. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, all my Hi, Raquel. So wonderful to be with you. It's like a wonderful Persian carpet spread in front of my feet to admire all the colors, all the different sharings. I want to invite you all to come. Come on over in an hour. Come to Israel. Come into my living room. We have another grand... Let's not just finish this meeting ever. It's wonderful. Step three, you know, I, I I go back to, I don't know, I came in like a few minutes late that you uh, read already the three pertinent ideas. Let me set my timer. But uh, Rebecca, you time me too because I just set it now. Um, when it says on the, ne- the next page that um, um, that what became clear is three pertinent ideas that we couldn't uh, manage our lives and, and the, the, the food that probably no human power could and that God could, you know, in the original manuscript, and I always read it, I have this little red book that was given to me at the convention of 2010, um, and in in Detroit, I believe this um, after the three pertinent ideas, it says it it doesn't say being convinced. What it says in the original is if you are not convinced on these vital issues, you ought to reread the book to this point, or else throw it away. Wow. They didn't let him, you know, this this is not what got into the book that we are reading now. But this is what the original said, and I am all for it. Usually, if I'm at a meeting and I and I read that and I show this, you know, I, I kind of, uh, a little bit of drama, I throw the book across the room and say, there goes. The purpose of these three steps is to really create a crisis in the mind of the person who is desperate or maybe not desperate enough to go to really consider. And I was so lucky that I came into vision for you before that being the the uh, the coffee shop that <clears throat> that I'm going through what I'm going through now. And I, I'm letting, I can't believe I'm doing this, that I'm letting God run the show because when things are like the worst, I have no intention of going to eat I'm sorry about that. We'll stop in a minute. Um, that I know that the food, something inside, deep inside me knows that the food is not going to solve it. And another thing is that some wonderful things happen. They just happen. Like a student making contact with me from 40 years ago, you know, saying some nice things of what this, you know, what, what being in third grade <clears throat> 
deeper. Something happens that lifts me right out of the mud. And, and it is pretty incredible. Thank you very, very much for listening. And I, and I, um, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Raquel E. Janice P.M. Well, good morning to you, Rebecca, and everybody. Um, please chime me if mine doesn't go off. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, you can't go to step two unless you have step one. Now, I've had step one many times. Oh, I was powerless. I was powerless. I was powerless. But, uh, you know, did I really accept on my own that I was powerless every day, even though I did the steps, even though this calamity happened over those foods and eating behaviors, you know, that caused me uncontrollable cravings. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, what was I doing about my powerlessness? Was it working? You know, I always, you know, I had to go out of my life and I was always saying, well, yeah, I'm powerless, you know, I can admit it, but I really didn't accept it. I know I'm going on the first step, but that has to come before I, you know, I can't go to the 10th step, the 12th step, unless I get the first step, because one foot on one step and one other foot way up there is not going to work because I've tried it. So I have to accept also that, you know, the people that are in this room and others that have been powerless like me, that now they're full of power. Not their own power, but they're full of a power that overcome that overcame their powerlessness. And I've experienced that. It's not my power. When I say I celebrate or oh I'm this or that, it's not even my success. Because if it was, I wouldn't have to go through this. I don't have to be here every day like all of us. So they have shown me that they're full of power now. Like I said not their own, but a, a, a special power. So if we come to se- um, step two, I came to step two, and I have to do this every day, you know, 24 hours a day, that I never have to, hopefully, when I find myself getting mm, a little bit this, a little bit that, I don't do it perfectly, but I have to be willing to even try, because if I don't have any hope of success, that's the problem. Oh, I know it's not going to work. You see, if I don't have any hope of success, there'll be no hope. So why even try? You know, I haven't been able to stay sober, to stay um, abstinent or recover on my own. See, this is my problem. On my own, I cannot. So I, I'm, de- you know, desperate. And so it's not a question of ability because all of us have ability galore. We could write the book but it's the desire to stay abstinent and recovered. And that's the hope. And that gives me the willingness because everyone here that's recovered. And so I do. I surrender. I make that decision to find that power through the actions of these, of these steps. That's the only thing that the step three is. It's just make a decision. I'm going to go to Aruba, I've got to make a decision, then I have to act, I have to go get the tickets, I have to get the plan. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Rebecca and everybody. Thank you, Janice PM. What excellent timing, y'all. It's five of the hour, time to move on. So I want to um, thank every, let's see, 
thank everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, May 7, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 11385. That's 11,385. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha C., um, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.